Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Hope everybody's enjoying their day. Uh, hope everybody's enjoying March Madness. Uh, today, we're going to have a great show. Uh, Matt Porter, who's one of the very fine reporters that covers UM at blogpost.palmbeachpost.com slash Watch at Matty Ports, is going to be joining us to talk some spring football. We'll have uh, some of our usual crew on here with Mike Grunewald, who's one of our uh, better reporters here that covers football for us as well. And we may even have a special guest at the bottom of the hour. Um, so, folks, uh, stay tuned. Um, we hope to follow up a great show that Larry the Amigo Million had for us on Wednesday night. Um, Larry had um, Miami great, Alonzo Highsmith on the show. Also had our uh, very uh, good reporter and writer, Cam Underwood, on the show. Talking some games football. So hopefully you guys enjoy the show today. Uh, Mike, how are you today? I'm doing well, enjoying the weather. It's about 70 degrees for the first time this year, which is a shocker. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Uh, it's good not to be snowed in for once, huh? Yeah, it feels like it's like Game of Thrones. The winter just keeps going on and it never ends. Well, Mike, I'm glad to have you on as well. And it uh, looks like... Uh, we also are going to have uh, a couple other folks on here as well, so this should be an exciting show. Um, I believe uh, we were just joined on the phone by, is that you, Matt, that's on the phone? That is me. What's up, guys? Hey, Matt. Uh, great to have you on. Appreciate you joining us today. Um, you got myself, Jerry Steinberg, State of the U, um, host for this podcast, and you also have Mike Grunewald, who's one of our reporters that covers football with us, and uh, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, Matt, I'm going to jump right into it. Um, you do a great job over at the Palm Beach Post. Uh, I gave our listeners your information just before you hopped on here. If you haven't had a chance to go by uh, blogs.palmbeachpost.com slash gameswatch, you should check it out. Uh, Matt has great information, some good videos on the site as well. Uh, Matt, give us a feel for what we saw in the second week of spring practice. Uh, well, I think it was really um, similar to the first in that the defense looks better. I think that's really the, the number one takeaway that, that I, you know, that I would uh, pass on to you guys is just, you know, this defense, now that they're able to hit at this point in spring practice, you know, you're really seeing some physical play. Um, you know, a lot of the guys look bigger. Al Golden loves to talk about, you know, weight gain. Um, you know, I think he really wants to have a, a big defense, sometimes at the expense of speed, I feel. But with this group that he has now, you know, it, it's a big, fast group. Um, you know, especially in the linebackers and on the defensive end spot. I think, you know, with Kamalu, um, he's made a big jump. And uh, Tyreek McCord and Al-Kadim Muhammad have made, a, you know, great improvements in size while maintaining their explosiveness. And, and then the linebackers with uh, with Kirby and, and Figueroa and, and, uh, and of course, Denzel Perryman. Uh, you know, it's a really good-looking group. And then the secondary has improved as well, which I'm sure we'll get to. But that's my main takeaway is really just, you know, right now a lot of uh, a lot of hard hitting going on, and, and the defense is feeling really good. I think, you know, we'll see how they do in the in the scrimmages. You know, we haven't really gone live with anything yet, but um, certainly the early returns are good. That's uh, a storyline that I've been kind of following. Uh, you know, mostly secondhand, hearing from uh, you know guys like yourself, and also Mike Say, who's uh, part of our SOTU team that uh, drops by and covers practices every so often. Is uh, it seems like uh, Coach D'Onofrio who has been the lightning rod of all kinds of criticism from Kane's fans, 
But but from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in your guys' writing, it seems like Coach D'Onofrio is a little more active this spring. Is that the case? Um, well, he's really always been active. Um, you know, he's always been a guy who's really vocal, really loud, you know, yells, you know, whether whether or not that connects with the guys, I'm not sure always, but certainly it, it seems to this spring. Uh, I've, when he uh, when I when I when I took over this job, I I reached out to people that he knew at Temple and and in his past coaching stops, and they would always tell stories about you know just how crazy he is on the field and you know yelling and things. And I think uh, from those days to now, he's actually toned it down a little bit. But I mean, certainly, you know, he is energized. I think that's definitely apparent. Um, you know, and he should be. I mean, obviously, he knows that you know he, he won't talk about it, and maybe it's you know hardly. You know, maybe it's not fair yet to, to you know, to bring it up to him. I'm sure there will be a point where, you know, I'll have a sit-down with him and talk to him about it. But, you know, I mean, he knows that this is obviously an important year for him. Um, you know, really, it's, it's year four of Al Golden and, and D'Onofrio trying to fix this defense. And, you know, we haven't obviously seen the results so far. Um, you know, I, I think he's really – he's coaching with a – you know, with a, a certainly a – a feeling that this could be, you know, if, if the defense doesn't, you know, improve quite a bit, you know, this could be the end for him in Coral Gables. I think he, I think he knows that, um, you know, and and certainly Golden knows it too, and, and as does everybody else around the program. So there is pressure, um, and that pressure right now is, has been turned into into positive energy, um, which I think is a good sign. Uh, Matt, you used the word crazy at the beginning of that uh, answer to to my question. Speaking of crazy, what's it like uh, having Mike Say uh, running around with you guys uh, uh, covering the games? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I throw around the word crazy, uh, you know, with, with Mike, uh, you know, with love. I know Mike's a great dude. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's fun. Um, he's off the wall like like I am. So, you know, I think we uh, we hit it off pretty well. I, you know, him and Juan, um, I met them during last training camp, you know, when I first got on the scene down there. and. You know, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I liked how they, uh, I, li- I liked uh, the cut of their jib, so to, so to speak. You know, I liked, uh, I liked what they were bringing. So, yeah, I know he's a good dude. I'm, I'm always happy when he's around. Yeah, we, we love Mike. We're, we're just kidding around. But Mike, you know, I, I, I've yet to meet Mike in person, but I've, I've talked to Mike a lot on the phone. And, and since he started working with us at State of the U, it's been a pleasure. Um, Mike's always interesting, and um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that uh, he's doing well and. and and um, I appreciate that you guys kind of took him under your wing. I know uh, Mike always has kind things to say about yourself and other beat writers like Susan Miller, Susan Susan Miller Dagon. I'll get that out there in a second. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the other folks that have uh, helped him along. So we do appreciate that. Um, yeah. I don't want to leave uh, Mike Grunwald out here. Mike, uh, give me your observations on on what you've heard and seen from week two. And uh, if you have any questions for Matt, feel free. I don't want to. Uh, take up all Matt's time when Alan giving you a chance to talk to him as well. So, Mike, go ahead. Sure. I do have one question. Just I think we've actually seen it on our site the last few days. It actually got kind of heated. Um, Jerry knows what I'm talking about with uh, Cam and the, this, the fan site about the question of um, Ryan Williams versus Kevin Olsen. Um, just being like an overall football fan, I found that like you may have the older got older you know, upperclassmen who may not necessarily have the more tangible skills but has the intangibles, whereas you have the underclassmen, in this case it's Kevin Olsen, who may have the raw talent, the better arm strength. And from what I've found, it's usually the the younger guy will make more mistakes but could also make the, you know, greater plays. And then you have the upperclassmen who may not have the better 
arm strength, but will not make the mistakes, will not throw the interceptions that will be returned or anything like that. Are you seeing that kind of in camp right now on the offensive side? Boy, well, I know that storyline well. I mean, that that's that is often uh, often you know written. You know, they, just just as you laid it out. I mean, it's 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 at, at pretty much every position um, when you have a you know two two guys or, or even more guys battling you know for one spot. Um, part of that sometimes I'm not saying it's this it's this case you know in, in it's it's this way in this case, but you know part of that sometimes is that. You know the older veteran guy. You know you've already you've seen him play, so you've already had kind of the chance to pick him apart. You know, like with Ryan Williams. You know, we know he really we're comparing him to Stephen Morris. You know, and saying that he doesn't have the arm strength that Stephen Morris does. Well, really, I mean, you know, Morris had a great arm for all of his faults. Um, we've had a chance to see Ryan Williams, and we've you know we've all decided that you know his arm isn't amazing, and he admits that himself. Um, you know, he's not he doesn't have a noodle arm, but you know it isn't the strongest, and. Um, you know he's not a he's not a rifle a rifle guy, but I think really when when you sometimes you know you run the danger of, of saying you know well this younger guy he he must be more talented because you know he doesn't have the experience so you know why you know well he must have the talent well I mean we really haven't seen it yet so we don't know um, I'm just saying that you know sometimes you do run into the danger of, of that being the case where you know this is just kind of the boxes that you fit these quarterbacks into or any other position. That being said, in this case. Um, you know, I think it is, you know, Williams definitely does have the experience. He knows the playbook in and out. He knows how to get in and out of certain situations. Um, he doesn't get rattled. He knows the calls to make. He knows the checks to make. Um, he has very good chemistry with uh, a lot of the guys that are there. You think about the second unit guys. He's been practicing with them since he's been under Morris, um, you know, while Morris has worked with the first stringers. So he's been able to, you know, come up with these guys. Um, Bo Samlin the other day, for example, I, I was talking with him, and he was just saying how 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 much he clicks with uh, Ryan Williams because they were, you know, he was the second team tight end, and and Williams was the second team quarterback, um, you know, last year specifically. Um, really, I, I mean, as far as the battle, uh, you know, definitely, Olsen does have the talent. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt um, that he's a more, you know, overall physically gifted quarterback, um, you know, than Williams. Um, but sometimes, you know, really the quarterback position, you know, you guys know, I mean, the, the, the physical gifts are, you know, <laughs> you can you can survive without those physical gifts as long as you know what the heck you're doing out there because it's such a mental thinking position. Um, you know, and I think that's right now that's why Golden and the staff trust Ryan Williams to, uh, you know, to be the starter. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to, to see what happens in the scrimmages. They have three of them. Um, the only one that's open to the public is the spring game, which is April 12th, 6 p.m. on my stadium. I, I know, you know, uh, everybody's going to be going to that. Um, that's really going to tell a lot as uh, as to what we really have in Olsen and Williams. Because right now a lot of it is, you know, they, they give them a little bit of stuff, you know, a, a few situations that they have to work themselves out of, but a lot of it is, you know, drills and scripted stuff and things. Every practice they do a two-minute uh, drill, um, you know, where they have to go down and score a touchdown in two minutes. Olsen's done very well in that. Last practice, he actually uh, got them out of a fourth and eighth situation and threw a touchdown, which was really good. Um, but really right now, the more polished quarterback is Ryan Williams. And, and I've said this before plenty of times, but I, I think they came through. I know that everybody loves Olsen and, and to a greater degree Brad Kaya, who has obviously tons of talent and is James Coley's guy. He's been handpicked by Coley. Um, but I think, uh, you know, until one of those young guys, you know, proves that they're better than Ryan Williams, I think the Canes are okay with one. Matt? Uh, and I, I really appreciate the breakdown. Um, and as uh, Mike alluded to, 
there's been some debate on one of our articles about the Williams versus Olsen debate, and we kind of been going over that every week. And um, to me, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Williams. I, I like what I saw in limited duty last year from him. Um, I think he's going to know the playbook better, obviously, and I think Olsen versus Kaya next year is going to be, you know, a real barn burner of a battle for, for the quarterback mm-hmm. spot. But, but I just want to step away from that for a second. While I have you on here, I wanted to ask you about an article you wrote last week about Tim Ice Harris. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed reading it, and I'm really intrigued about um, Harris uh, joining the staff in whatever capacity. Um, for the folks at home that haven't got a chance to read your article, they should definitely check it out. But can you give us a little bit on, on what you expect from Ice, what his role is going to be, and how it's going to help this program? Yeah, um, you know, if you're – just catching up. I mean, Tim, Tim Ice Harris, his nickname is Ice. Uh, everybody calls him that. Um, he's a three-time state champion coach at Booker T. Washington in Miami uh, in Overtown. Uh, he is the def- coach of the defending national champion uh, team, a team which includes uh, Chad Thomas and Demetrius Jackson, two signees that are coming in, both defensive ends. Also, his son, Treon, um, ended, up, ended up signing with Florida, which Ice himself admits is very strange for the family. Um, given especially that his other two sons were, you know, former uh, one was a track star at UM, the other was Brandon Harris, who's a cornerback uh, in the NFL for the Texans. Um, really, uh, Ice's duty is, is the same as it was under Randy Shannon, who was there for uh, three years when, when Shannon was coach. Um, he's, uh, you know, then he was a, a special assistant to the head coach. Now he's the associate director of football ops. Really, what that is is kind of the same thing. He's, he's a liaison to high school coaches. He's out in the community. Um, you know, he's uh, a, a guy that, you know, players really, I think the, the biggest impact for him is, is um, he can't recruit. He can't go on visits and say, you know, you know, sit down in a kid's living room and say, here's why you should come to the U. But, you know, he's a guy that once they're on campus, he can definitely talk to them. He can tell them, you know, all the benefits of being there and, you know, their mission and how they do things and other, other things that, you know, coaches and, and staff, you know, Used to recruit, you know, kids. You know, tell them, you know, all the all the things that they have to hear, want to hear. Um, but really, I, I think for a kid who's, you know, in Miami, who sees Al Golden and Mark D'Onofrio as New Jersey guys. Um, you know, Jethro Franklin is is, is uh, he came with them. Uh, Paul Williams, the defensive backs coach, he came from uh, from Temple. Um, you know, the only guys that have r- real roots in South Florida. Um, you know, Larry Scott from Tampa. Uh, he went. To, you know, he's a USF guy. But uh, you know there are James Coley, who, you know from Little Havana, Michael Barrow and Hurley Brown, who were were players at the U, and then obviously Archeo has been there forever. Um, Brennan Carroll, you know he doesn't have any roots uh, at Miami either. So for a kid that who, who's looking to, to go to UM and you know says, well, you know, I think this staff doesn't really know me or my situation, or you know be it the, the struggle that I come from or you know my family background. You know, Ice Harris can say, you know, hey, man, I, I understand where you're from. I'm from, you know, where you're from. Um, the man has so many connections in Miami. Um, is he going to be a savior for UM recruiting? You know, obviously, you know, every time a, a player of a big stature, you know, like an Amari Cooper or, or you know, Devontae Freeman or, you know, go on down the line, Teddy Bridgewater uh, leaves South Florida, leaves Miami. You know, everybody looks at Miami and says, well, why didn't they keep him? You know, obviously, you can't keep everybody. But, you know, certainly ICE will help in that uh, regard. I don't think he's going to be a savior. I don't think he's going to, you know, keep every kid home. But certainly I think he is going to help. Um, and we'll have to see in the signing days to come 
um, you know, how much he helps. But I, I definitely think, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a great hire for Al Gold and, and a very important one. Yeah, you know, that's something that uh, Canes fans, you know, especially on social media, focus on, um, in my opinion, a little bit too much. You're, you, as you pointed out, you're never going to get all the kids from South Florida. Mm-hmm. But it seems like um, our fan base tends to focus on uh, who we don't get instead of who we do get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, we'll have to see how much ice helps. I, I think they did an outstanding job this year recruiting. I don't know if they could have done much better. Um, yeah, the only, the only had, spot, just to, to jump in, I think the only spot they missed was uh, was Trevante Valentine, obviously. But I think other than that, I think it was a pretty good class, right? Uh, yeah, you know, top ten classes uh, are nothing to sneeze at. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they they have some outstanding players. I mean, Chad Thomas is, you know, not not your everyday defensive end that you bring in every year. So mm-hmm. uh, Brad Kaya could be, you know, a quote-unquote franchise-type quarterback. Uh, I think the fan base tends to focus more on the negative and who we don't get sometimes, which is a shame. Um, but if Ice can shore up a few of the guys that uh, that we have been able to get, especially I think the defensive tackle position has been, you know, something that we've we've struggled with in getting some of those blue chip guys. But uh, I'm gonna I want to shift gears real quick. Uh, we can talk football for hours, especially if we get into recruiting. Um, but Matt, while I want to ha- while I have you on the phone. Um, I know you're going to drop in at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to uh, have some other folks join. But while I have you on, um, I, I want to talk a little bit of Canes baseball. Um, that's something that we've been focusing on covering more here at State of the U. Um, and last night, Miami had a huge win over Virginia. Uh, Matt, did you get a chance to watch that game is the first question I want to ask you. And then um, I also wanted to follow up and say, you know, is this the game that's going to turn things around? They've kind of had a roller coaster year. Can this be the game that sparks them to, to play up to their potential? Yeah, I was I was not there. I was on a lot of football duty this week, and uh, but it, I was following, of course. And, and it's a huge game, a uh, huge win for them. You know, Zach Collins, you know, playing the hero. Um, you know, at the home run, it's it's crazy the, the start he's had. I mean, he, he led UM, you know, hitting in the fall, and <laughs> entering the game, he had nine hits in the spring, twenty strikeouts, but. Of those nine hits, he had three homers. So, you know, he, he struggled. But, um, you know, he, he, he'll definitely find his way. And, you know, last night maybe that's the start of him finding his way. Um, you know, they've, they've had a strange run, I think, in, in the in the first month here. Um, you know, they, they had a great series against Florida. Um, you know, a, a good series against Florida State. You know, two tough programs, obviously. Um, they've played some tough teams midweek. And I know, you know, for a team that wants to go to Omaha, you know, you have to win those matchups. You have to beat, you know, pretty much everybody that you play in midweek. But the reality is, you know, they really have played a tough schedule. Um, and everybody that comes to Coral Gables or, or takes, you know, takes on Miami midweek at their park, they're going to throw their number one just because you get a team like that on the schedule, you know, you're going to pitch the best pitcher. And a lot of teams have good pitchers. And, and truthfully, Miami, you know, still – is not a dominant offensive club. They have some really good hitters, but, you know, one through nine, they're not as good, you know, as maybe they could be offensively. So, yeah, they've struggled against those pitchers. Um, the problematic part for me is the defense. You know, they made a lot of errors in the first couple games. They were last in the ACC in errors. I think they still are. Um, but, you know, in the corner, it's mostly on the corners. I think third and first base have really been in trouble spots. They're pretty solid up the middle, which will help you, you know, quite a bit if you are solid up the middle. Um, 
you know, I think overall, you know, really beating the number one, the number three team in the country, the preseason number one, you know, at your place, you know, that's a that's a great win. And and uh, at thirteen and ten, I think if they can win this series against Virginia, you know, that'll jump them back up, you know, definitely into the top twenty. Um, you know, if not if not higher in the rankings. Um, I think you know right now they're twenty five in Baseball America poll, which is the poll that that we uh, look at at the Palm Beach Post is the major one. Um, I think they'll be okay. You know, really, there's a lot of talent there. Um, you know, the recruiting class was number four or number six in the country, depending on which poll you look at, um, you know, which is a, obviously, you know, great, um, especially with the, some of the heavyweights that they're recruiting against in the ACC and obviously Miami's private status as a private school. You know, always always real tough for them to recruit baseball players. Um so, you know, I think they're in good shape. I don't think there's a lot to worry about here. Um, you know, we'll see with next week they got NC State, too. So that's going to be another tough test. But definitely good things. And, and it's nice to see the lights, uh, you know, pretty packed these days, too. Uh, Matt, did you get a chance to see that catch by Dale Carey last night on SportsCenter? Yeah, I saw the replay, man. He's good. I mean, it, that was a, a heck of a run he had, um, you know, diagonal sprint to the wall and just laying out for it. Um He's having a great season. He put on a, he put on a lot of muscle in the off season, and he's spraying the ball all over the place. And you know the speed and the defense is still there. He's got you know a bunch of home runs. Um, a great a great season for him, and what a catch! And uh, tonight, of course, Miami's got uh, Andrew Suarez on the mound. They'll be playing. I think the game is at seven thirty tonight, and it's on uh, ESPN three dot com for those who want to watch. And uh, tomorrow night they'll actually have a national televised game or or cable televised game on ESPNU, and Brian Radzuski will be the starting pitcher. So uh, two huge games if they can at least get one of these next two and win the series. Uh, that would be outstanding for Miami. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, before I let you go, anything else you want to add for uh, the folks at home who are listening to this? Anything uh, any anything you're working on that's big that you want to inform people about? Uh well, no, I just uh, you know I would say. You know, continue if you're if you're following me on Twitter. You know, thanks for that. I'm I'm at Matty P Y P O R T S. Um, you know, uh, Palm Beach Post. My uh, my blog is as you mentioned, Jerry. Thanks for that. It's, it's blogs.palmbeachpost.com/slash/canes-watch. Obviously, the link is in my uh, my Twitter profile. Um, but yeah, no, if you're going out to a practice, uh, you know, we got a couple more open ones this spring. Um, I think the next one is uh, is Tuesday at 9 a.m. If you're local, and you know, stop on by and want to watch if you can get off work or or if not um they you know they got a couple weekenders uh coming up and uh yeah it's an, it's an interesting time this is my first year covering spring practice uh you know for this team and uh it's been pretty cool to see the passion of, of the fans you know it's uh it's a very passionate fan base you know sometimes the passion extends uh extends in, into some different areas that you didn't expect but you know uh with the football team you know you guys love your football and that's uh it's really cool to see Matt, you got to do this one big favor. What's that? Keep, keep Mike from bouncing off the walls when he's there at practice. Can you <laughs> do that for us? <laughs> he's loving it. <laughs> he, I mean, you know, he's, he keeps his cool pretty well, but I know he's uh, I know he's living the dream out there. So good for him. It's nice to see that too. And Matt, anytime you want to drop by, man, feel free. We we really appreciate you coming by today. All right, hey, thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Thank Matt. you. Yeah. All right, guys, and that was uh, Matt Porter, one of the great 
beat writers that covers University of Miami for the Palm Beach Post. We we appreciate them stopping by. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Did you catch any of uh, the Keynes baseball game last night? Uh, no, I saw the replay on ESPN Top 10, but uh, I was actually going to ask Matt if we could have, but I know we ran out of time. If he had a status on David Thompson, I heard he's um, got some type of like sick, like his arm swelled up, viral type thing. So I was curious to see how he was doing, but um, maybe we'll get some more reports later. Yeah, I'll check. Um, we, we've got uh, our, our two uh, writers at State of the U who cover uh, baseball for us, uh, Kyle. Um, covered yesterday's game, did a great job, and then we, of course, we have Barry Robinson, and uh, I'll, I'll check with them this evening, and we'll try and get a report on that in, in the summary uh, tonight. It yeah. uh, looks like we have another caller on with us. Is that Mr. Cam? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Hey, hey Cam. Cam. Good to have you. Better late than never. Yeah, I was running around a little bit, so uh, just driving home from a good afternoon out. Figured I'd join you guys for a little Cam's talk. Hey, always good to have you. Um, we were privileged enough to have Matt Porter from the Palm Beach Post on. But, Cam, while I have you on, um, you're always, uh, you know, full of information, full of great insight, full of opinions, of course. Uh, we've been talking Canes football, of course. We've shifted the Canes baseball uh, real quick. We're going to rewind for a second. Cam, what, do you, what did you hear or see um, about uh, the second week of spring practice that you liked and disliked? Um, just guys progressing uh, through through the spring. Uh, I don't want to talk too long because you know I came in a little bit later. But uh, hearing that the defense is communicating uh, with each other both on and off the field, they're working together more as a unit, and not kind of as individual, um, you know, bounty hunters or uh, mercenaries as it were. So they're working together as a group, uh, and I really like that. Love hearing the progress of Jamal Carter. Um, interested to see. Uh, what we're doing with the uh, linebackers, because uh, as of yesterday, there were four linebackers wearing the first-team black jerseys. Uh, and I know that we're not going to switch to a 3-4 defense full-time, like 90% of the snaps, but it's pretty clear that uh, we were recruiting to switch to that more often than not. Uh, and, you know, as we look at the depth chart right now, and just the guys in the black jerseys obviously going there. Um, and very pleased with the positive with Kevin Olsen. Um, I know that he's a, a, second, a clear second place behind Ryan Williams right now, but he's improving and impressing every day, and that's something I look for out of him, and I really, I really, really like that. Now, Cam, in, in somewhat of a, a lighthearted way, I'm going to ask you about a conversation that uh, me and Mike had just before you joined about uh, one of our fan posts on there about uh, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, a. <laughs> Just, just for some background for people that are listening, Cam went back and forth, and it was very spirited, but it wasn't mean-hearted in any way, shape, or form with, with one of our fans that posted um, about uh, the quarterback debate, and he had a real preference uh, towards Olsen over Williams, and Cam wasn't a big fan of his reasons. Uh, well, Cam, I mean, you want to summarize for us, or you want to just move forward? Well, I'm going to summarize very succinctly. He took one thing, and he based his entire – well, I'm sorry, two small things. He said, one, if they're ranked even after fall practice, Olsen should start in front of Williams. Nobody disagrees with that. Obviously, if the younger player is tied, you know, Ty goes to the runner. He's going to be here for four more years. Fine, put him ahead. Nobody debated that. Uh, but 
somebody say, oh, Ryan Williams isn't personable. He's not uh, – he doesn't speak well and everything. And fair warning, I work at Miramar High School. I announced their football games. I've been there for seven years. I work with Tracy Howard, Jermaine Grace, Brian Williams, Malcolm Lewis, all these guys I know on a first-name basis. I know their families. I know his wife and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? The kid had a 3.8 grade point average. He went to American Heritage for years, and then came over in one of our A-rated magnet programs and was a straight-A student. So it tells me that he's not intelligent or outgoing or engaging. Like, what are you basing that on? Like, where's that coming from? And that's where I took exception. You know, if you want to talk about his play on the field, his arm is doing strong and awesome, things like that, sure, yeah, fine, go right ahead. But other things that you think that you see from, like, a 30-second clip of an interview after practice, get out of my face with that. Yeah, I, I I hear where you're coming from. I, I wasn't a big fan of the charisma angle because I don't know how you measure charisma at this point in the game if you're not in the huddle with the guys. And I don't know that charisma necessarily moves the chains, but uh, we still do encourage our fans, <laughs> regardless of the reaction they get, to, to please, do the uh, gauntlet. Yeah, <laughs> please continue putting your opinion on there. Uh, Cam, uh, uh, real quick, too, I, I'm going to shift gears one more time. We've been kind of going back and forth here, but uh, how psyched were you about last night's uh, win by the Miami baseball team over number three, Virginia? Oh, you saw that I, I started tweeting late in the game because I was watching it the whole time, but I didn't want to jinx it while the pitcher's duel was going on for the first five and a half, six innings. Uh, but really, really excited. Uh, Zach Collins hit that laser beam for a home run because, uh, you know, he got a hold of a, a belt-high, chest-high fastball. Uh, you know, pitching was outstanding, no errors, uh, really great fielding. Um, and that, you know, like you were talking about with, with Matt at the end of his section, you know, that is the expectation. You know, that is the, the potential that this team has. And to see them realize that even for one game is a positive. Now, hopefully we don't drop these next two like we did when we beat Florida State because they were number one in the country when we went up there to Tallahassee and beat them. Uh, hopefully we can spin that forward, like you said, into, uh, you know, more great performances. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, you know, the thing about baseball is, and I, I haven't followed college baseball as much as I followed the majors, but, um, you know, a beam ball overall, you know, one big catch, one big play, one great pitching performance. Sometimes it takes – um, you know, just a little thing to spark a team. Um, you know, and it, it could take some, something like Drew Carey's catch uh, out, out in center field could be just with the doctor order and get this team uh, flying high and, and playing up to their potential. Um, oh, okay, so guys. Drew Carey playing center field for us? I thought that it was Dale Carey. I didn't know that uh, Drew Carey came uh, uh, back to the uh, Awesome, bro. Yeah, the guy, the guy with the funky glasses, the chubby guy that's a comedian from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, he's not even chubby he's, anymore. He's seen now. Yeah. He, he's in center field for us. I forgot to mention that. Uh, you know, he may not have the best 40-yard dash time, but he really covers a lot of ground out there, and, and nothing's getting past him. True. Right, guys. We talked some football. We talked some baseball. Let's talk a little basketball. Before we talk about anything hurricane-related, um, and also, let me introduce on the phone for the first time on one of our podcasts, we have Josh Kaufman, who's one of our senior writers that covers uh, hoops for us. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Jay. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Josh, Josh you got Mike Grunewald and uh, Cam Underwood on the phone with us as well. Um, Cam, let me start with you. 
what's left of your bracket at this point? I did not do a bracket this year because uh, oh. no, like honestly, I just you know I wanted to appreciate good basketball. I love rooting for the underdog, and I didn't want it to conflict with my quest for Warren Buffett's billion because I knew that I was not going to win that billion anyway. Uh, so I don't, I did not do a bracket in anybody's pool anywhere on this earth this year. But I will say I have been extremely entertained by this first week in the basketball. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, Kentucky, yeah, you go ahead. Well, just I mean, I've been waiting. It's gone for about five minutes now. Kentucky beat Wichita, seventy-eight, seventy-six. So Wichita is out of the tournament. Down, oh. wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that Kentucky team's dangerous. I, I was watching part of that game before we jumped on this call, and um, that was a fun game to watch. Uh, Mr. Joshua Kaufman. Um, you and I go back a long way. I know how much you yes, love sir. college hoops. Give me your impressions of, of this NCAA tournament. Uh, I think it's been great. I mean, all the upsets, all the great games. Uh, I just got done watching the, you know, finished just in time to make the call. Uh, Wichita, Kentucky, game, and that was fantastic as well. Uh, you know, the only thing that would have made it better is if Miami could have somehow limped in this year, but, you know, that that, that wasn't in the cards. Uh, Josh, let me ask you a question. Is there anything that you've taken more pleasure in uh, in this NCAA tournament than Duke's upset loss? Um, no, that's probably been, like, the highlight. You know, you almost feel like it's a win for your team when Duke loses bad and gets embarrassed. So, at least me personally. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I have a special dislike for Duke. Uh, Cam, are, are are you hating Duke as well, or...? Oh, well, you know, I hail from the great state of Michigan, and there is no one that I hate worse than the school in the state south of Michigan. And seeing them lose, because I don't even use their name, but to see them lose in the first round to Dayton and see Aaron Kraft's 19th year of college basketball end in spectacular <laughs> fashion where he lost to Michigan and then Dayton back-to-back, oh, my soul is – oh, my – overjoyed, overjoyed. I just love it. Uh Mike, I'm going to bring you in on this conversation, too, but while I have Josh on the phone, Josh, can you please explain to, to the other gentlemen on this phone and to our listeners what all Custis means? Oh, okay, so uh, there was a player back when uh, Jay and I were, I think it was when we were in college or maybe slightly after, but uh, his name was Ace Custis, and he seemed to be in college basketball for, like, you know, like Kraft, the Social Security uh, receiver. <laughs> so we, we came up with uh, – uh, you know, and it might not always be true. It could be, you know, injury, medical red shirts, regular red shirt. It just seems like they've been around forever. So, like, anybody that's like a Kraft or uh, Gary's Adams, let's say, is all Custis because they've been around forever. Adrian Thomas. We've had our fair share at Miami of, of all Custis members, too, to be. Julian Gamble, as much as I love uh, JG, man, he, he was around forever, too. He was all Custis yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's definitely all custom. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like you said, with the 19 years that Kraft put in and the 22 years in the gold watch that Custis got, you know, <laughs> guys like that. So. Yeah, what, and, and the other problem I have with Kraft, I'm not a big Ohio State fan ever since that mysterious call by Terry Porter uh, back in 2003. But I, mm. I, I can't root for Ohio State in anything. But the other thing with Kraft is every time I watch him play, I have, like, flashbacks of the movie Better Off Dead. Does anybody, does anybody know what you're yeah. referencing there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that movie. He's been—he's like John Cusack. He's like a young version. 
he looks just like John Cusack. And I, I don't know why that bothers me, but I feel like going up to Kraft and telling him I want my $2. <laughs> All right, I, I don't want to leave Mike out here. Mike, we're we're having a very feisty segment here. We're all talking about Mike. Mike, I know you're from the area. Are there any teams out there that you can't stand? Well, I like VCU because they play really hard-nosed defense, but i got to tell you, I watched that game, um, the end of the game when they played Stephen F. Austin, and I have no idea why the guy fouled in, like, the regulation when they were – I believe they were up by four. And they yeah, but do, you the guy. He, do you think he actually mm-hmm. fouled them? Oh, I believe so. Because then I mean, he it went looks to the like line and they tied. It looked to me like he kind of went to the side of him, and the guy kind of just fell. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it looked like the VCU player couldn't believe that they called. You know, they either they couldn't believe that they called the foul, or he couldn't believe it because he thought he didn't touch him. But I, I, I wasn't sure. I just it looked. Yeah. It looked like uh, I've seen guys get tackled at the end of games, and you know, much worse than that. They don't call it. So I was kind of surprised. Yeah, yeah. but I mean. I, what I found amazing about it was even before that game started, I'm not big into the college basketball thing as, you know, Jerry and everybody else knows, but lots of people were calling for Stephen F. Austin to beat up DCU. They were calling it, what were they, like a 4 and a 12 seed, something like that? Uh, you know, 4 and 15, something like that. Um, and I was just like, DCU is a really good ball club. I don't know why these people are doing it. And guess what happened? They beat them. So... I was, I was pretty impressed by that by a lot. So the game was pretty crazy. Mike, too. I love that. Mike, I love that you opened up that can of worms because uh, I, I was watching on Twitter the other day and uh, Cam was absolutely annihilating some folks on Twitter that were suggesting that Shaka Smart would be the next coach at Virginia Tech. Oh my God! Uh, no, 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 no! Wake Forest! Wake Forest! Oh, I'm sorry, Wake Forest. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, oh. Virginia Tech would have been worse actually. I so, think, Cam, you want to give us a little background on that and, and, and what's your opinion on uh, uh, on the whole situation with Wake Forest coaching job? All right, well, where this came from was um, Buzz Williams left – yeah, that's his name, Buzz Williams. He left uh, Marquette to become the new coach at Virginia Tech. And I was lamenting that fact because that now takes one of the bottom teams from our conference and gives them a very, very good coach. I completely um, agree with that. He was a really good hire. That was a, an absolute phenomenal home run grand slam hire for them. Mm-hmm. And so, wait yeah, and, and, and we definitely don't want to see a guy from Marquette as Miami fans after how last year ended. So, it, exactly, you know. So the, those flashbacks and things like that. So then the Mark, the uh, Wake Forest people, they were saying, okay, if he did, he went to Virginia Tech and that program that is obviously poor. Who can we get? And they started talking about Tommy Amaker. And I said, you know what, that would be a great fit, and we were having that conversation. And then somebody came out of the woodwork and said, no, 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 we're not going for Tommy Amaker. We're going for Shaka Smart. And my reply is he turned down interest from UCLA and others at better programs, honestly, than Wake Forest is. So why would he go there? And I was on the podcast, what, a couple weeks ago? talking about Randolph Childress' 1995 ACC tournament. I know they had Tim Duncan and Chris Paul and other great, just he. I know they had great players. But right now, Harvard is a better job than Wake Forest, so I would stay there. If I'm Chaka Smart, I'm staying at uh, Virginia Commonwealth, a school that I love and have been in the media saying for years that I love, 
say it. That's where I come from. And, and he took offense, and then other guys hopped in the conversation, yada, yada, yada. This was a and you can figure out how to address that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess, like, yeah, I was just I was just wondering. I mean, I looked at those two jobs, and I would imagine that Wake could be a great job. You know, like, like it could. It's in the ACC. Uh, if Smart wants to get in with, and roll around in, the, in this mess, he can he can do it. Uh, I think that's what elevates the job. I, I would think. I mean, I, you're from you're from around there, but uh, you know, I don't I don't know about um, VCU what that place is like. I mean, is that is it a is it like a George Mason? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a lower, you know, it's a mid-major team that has been built up over time. Anthony Grant made his name there and things like that. So they've had good coaches. They've built it up into a, you know, one of the power programs in the mid-majors. But, I mean, his cachet is way higher than a Wake Forest. And, I mean, again, yeah, no offense taken. Or, you know, get mess, but his cachet is way higher than that. And, honestly, Wake Forest, bro, if you want to take offense to that, then, like, take offense to it because it's the truth. But Tommy Amaker, that would be a home run. Yeah, he might have I, other I, reasons to stay at Harvard, though. We were Jay and I. Jay, you and I were talking about that uh, the other yeah. night. Yeah, and I, I actually got that information from Cam, Josh, about how his wife. Oh, okay, yeah. Is yeah, the head of yeah, psychology. So. Um, yeah, I'm studying yeah, for a doctorate in clinical psych, so I, I would imagine that's probably the best job you could have in the country in that field, or at least one of them. You know, uh, at, at the hospital at Harvard. I mean, you know. That's, that's like that's like going getting the Duke job for like a basketball coach. So you know, I, I wonder if if maybe you know he had a chance. He went to Michigan. She probably followed him there, and now she's entrenched. Maybe he's just like you know, I'm going to stay here for a while. Let me that's ask you guys something. Uh, let me ask you guys a very serious question. Does oh. anybody think these are all serious questions, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, these are. Yeah, but this is a very this is a very serious question. Does anybody here think you'll see Frank Cates back in the ACC any time <laughs> in our lifetime? <laughs> no. Come on, bro. Yeah, he might he uh, might be in like the ACC high school league somewhere. Well, yeah. you know what? Honestly, if I were an ACC coach, I might not be opposed to hiring him as one of my as my lead assistant. Yeah. But as a head coach, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be head coach. I don't think he's going to be head coach at Missouri that much longer. So. Yeah, that seems to be on the downward trend. And uh, if you guys are ever bored and and really feeling sadistic, head over to Missouri message board and read what their <laughs> fans think about him. That that's always good for a laugh. But um, certainly no ill well, will towards Frank. Let me wait, hold on, Let me throw that question back around from Shaka Smart. Was was Miami yeah. beneath Jim Laranaga's cachet? Could Jim, Laranaga, could Jim Laranaga have gone somewhere else, more high profile than Miami? I, I'll take a stab at that, Josh. Uh, I think I think two factors uh, worked against Laranaga's cachet. Um, unfortunate as this may be, age absolutely. Um, and then I believe the other factor would just be that you know. Even though Shaka Smart is also coming from a small school, I, I don't know that George Mason had. I mean, they both made Final Fours, but I don't know that George Mason, other than that one run, made quite the splash that Shaka Smart has made in you know back to back to back years at VCU. 
Right, but I mean, so, DC wasn't wasn't in the toilet when Chaka Smart took over there either. No, no, absolutely not. And, and I mean, you you can't take away from either man's performance. I just don't. I think that Chaka Smart has done it a couple of times now. Maybe maybe his cachet will come a little bit down. Let me revise it. What if what what would be the difference if Larnaga say he was the same age coming off his final four year? You think he's able to parlay that into a major job? Well, I mean, he's that. Chuck Smart has literally Like literally, no, no, I, don't, I know. I'm, I'm just hypothetically just saying, you know, whenever the Mason run was, what was it ten years ago oh, or, yeah. or whatever? Yeah, Smart, you want to get because you can get a guy and he might be there for thirty years. You know, I mean, that's that's what you ideally want. Any college wants that. I would imagine, you know, somebody that brings that much stability and has success over a period of time. That's the best recipe. Well, I mean, you, you want that in any sport program. Look at Morris, who's been there, uh, you know, in the college, in the baseball program. Look at Golden, who I know is only in his fourth year coming up. But, I mean, you want that continuity. You want the Bobby Bowden, um, Joe Paterno, um, Woody Hayes, uh, Bo Schindbacker. You want that guy, no matter what, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Daytime. You want those guys yeah. to be there for a long time. So if Larry Nagel was that age, in his mid-late 30s, oh, my God, yes, of course, then he could have, you know, even parlayed that up uh, into yeah. uh Better job than Miami. Yeah, I mean, you know, signing Larinaga now is like kind of like signing like a pool holds, and signing Smart is like signing Trout. You know, I mean, you're you're just getting the the young version, I guess. Get him for and a Josh, long time. Thank you for Josh. Thank you for segmenting. I want to let folks know that next week when we do this call, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. Once we get through all the keen stuff, we'll talk opening day baseball stuff. So, thank you for that uh, great segment or segue, I should say. Um, all right, so I, I like talking basketball as much as the next guy, if not more. Um, but I want to spend some of our last time talking a little bit of the NFL, if you guys are up for that. Um, I want to ask each of you, among Bortles, Manziel, Bridgewater, uh, which guy you like, and uh, which, which players coming into the draft, for, specifically for the first round, do you really think would be a sleeper? Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you on this one. First the quarterback question, and then and then your sleeper in the draft. Sure. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. When I broached the subject with you all earlier in the email um, thread before we were doing this on the agenda, I started researching them all, and they all kind of scare me because um, you got like four or five tops. You got Bridgewater, Menzel, Bortles, you know, and then you got McCarron and Aaron Murray and Fails, and you could even throw in there Derek Carr. And the thing is, is like, I don't. I'm just because I'm focusing on the recency. Like all these guys have things. Bridgewater just didn't have a very good pro day. Menzel is small. We just and he was a running quarterback, kind of makes things up on his own. Um, we just saw Cam Newton gone down with an ankle injury for a couple months, and as you all know, I'm up here, so I got RG3. So he's about the same size as Manziel, from what I understand. So I don't think that scrambling will necessarily work. And he just honestly makes stuff up on his on the own, like that Duke game. Some of those plays are ridiculous. And then Blake Bortles did not necessarily play the greatest during the high-competition games. And because he was in the Big East, or what, what is it called, the C or AAC now, whatever it is, um, the shell of its former self, he put up big numbers against the not-so-good teams, except for Baylor, of course, who doesn't play defense. They don't believe in that. Um, but when he played South Carolina, Penn State, Louisville, he didn't necessarily have those great games. So, honestly, of all the quarterbacks, I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to go Derek Carr. He puts up a lot of numbers. His brother played in the league, although he got fried when he played because he was on a terrible Houston team. Um, but you know what? 
all the other guys got little weaknesses, and I want to go differently. I want to see the other guy, Derek Carr. Um, my sleeper? Oh, I don't know. Um, gosh, thinking about it now. I, I won't go with a sleeper, but the guy I'm interested to see, and it's an easy one, is Jadavion Clowney, because he had a good year two years ago. He's the physical freak, runs like the 4'4", 270 pounds. If you're making a guy in Madden to play defensive end, like, that would be your guy. But he didn't do much last year. Kind of some off-the-field issues. Um, so I will, I'm curious to see him. But that's really with the NFL draft coming up. Like, the quarterbacks scare me to death, and I'm interested to see what um, Clowney will do if he turns it on when he goes to the pros. So that's what I got. Uh, Cam, how about yourself? Which quarterback do you like best, and who's your sleeper? Um, I'm biased. Saw him in high school, saw a couple teams, or with a few of his games. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is far away the number one quarterback. I think that uh, looking at uh, our micro, you know, Teddy is uh, performance under a microscope is really just kind of doing too much. Like, you see what it is, you know how good he is, you see the throws that he made uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Florida two years ago. Uh, you saw the absolute desperation that he uh, led Louisville to against Miami this year. That's the guy. Um, and I think it's plain and simple to see. Um, my sleeper, uh, he is a, a freak like Jadavion Clowney, but not Jadavion Clowney. The guy I'm looking really at is Anthony Barr from UCLA, outside linebacker, defensive end, hybrid kind of guy. Um, was an All-American running back in high school at 6'4", 240. Um, and then finally, in the middle of the second year, transitioned to defense full-time at UCLA. Uh, and was pretty much unlockable uh, to the terror of the pitch. And that's the guy uh, who really intrigues me going somewhere between, like, 9 and 15, uh, but could be uh, one of the better players to come out of this first round. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, me, I, I'm personally biased against Pac-10 defensive players, but I, I, I can't say I've seen him play enough to really to make a fair judgment. Uh, Josh, shifting over to yourself, uh, who do you like among the quarterbacks, and, and who's your, your sleeper in the draft? Okay, for me, the quarterback thing is really easy. I don't think any of them are really that good. There's no Andrew Luck. There's no franchise. There's no, like, prototype guy that you look at. You know, maybe you like Bortle's size. He's pretty big. So I'm going with the guy that has the most upside, even though he might have the most downside. I go with Manziel. And, and I know he makes stuff up, and he runs around. But, you know, I, I just I just think he's not as small as as we think he is. I mean, he's not gigantic. But I, I think he's I think he's heady enough on the field that he, that he will play pretty well in the NFL. He might get killed, but any quarterback and any player can get killed in the NFL Josh, on any given play. Yeah. Josh, the stuff he did in college, like running around against Bama, running 20 yards back, and then throwing it up in the air for um, no, the Mike Evans. I know, I know. I, I, I get it. That, do you think that can work? No, no, I don't think it can work. I, I, that that won't work. But, you know, he's also playing against a team in Alabama that was physically much more superior to his team. So, I mean, you know, when, when the when everything's fair, when there's there's more parity between the athletes on both sides of the ball instead of just picking the Alabama game, which had the best athletes in the country, and comparing it to Texas Tech, I think when things are, are equal, you'll see more or less if he can, be, if he can compete in the NFL. Now, yeah, if he runs around and he – if he if he runs around in like a Tony Romo, and makes a little better decision making, he can be successful. If he runs around like uh, what's his name that old Robert Marv used to do, running backwards and throwing the ball up, it, it's not going to work, you know. Obviously, but you know I I don't see him 
doing that to that degree in the NFL because he will get killed. Well, I'll bring up another name for you guys. It, and, and this here's somebody that was a lot smaller, but kind of played a similar style, in my opinion, to Manziel. Uh, how about Doug Flutie? I mean, it took forever for him to get out of Canada, but but the brief time he played in the NFL, I, I think he yeah. played with a style style similar, maybe not you know a clone of Manziel, but he was a similar style to Manziel. Undersized quarterback, ran around, had to move around. Um, just had kind of had the id factor and could make that play that would make you say, wow. Um, but was, was Doug Flutie, even at the end of his career, worth the first overall pick in the NFL draft? Now, that that to me is debatable. Um, so, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he has to be the first overall pick. I mean, you know, it's just I think if I'm going to pick a quarterback, I I'm not really a huge fan of Bridgewater. Uh, I, I don't like the Bortles guy too much. Uh, you know, the, the car, car is actually – Another one that I think is actually pretty good, as mentioned earlier. But, uh, you know, I, I take a risk and just go for it. Because you're, otherwise you're going to get, like, a guy who's going to be a journeyman in three years anyway. So, yeah. Um, as far a guy that I want to bring up as my sleeper that I, I went back and watched some film of, um, I was fortunate enough to be on a call with Mike Mayock not too long ago, a couple of weeks back, and I, um, you know, was doing research on some of the prospects. And I know this is blasphemy among Kings fans, but I think somebody is going to draft LaMarcus Joyner in the second round, and they're going to get like an all-pro type, strong safety, nickel corner guy. Uh, I, you know, the the comparisons to uh, Honey Badger make a lot of sense to me. Um, how do you guys feel about Joyner? Am I overrating him, underrating him, or do you guys do you guys feel like he's going to be a good player? Or is he too small? I'll start with I you on Sam. I think that Joyner can be a good player. Um, he has great speed, he has great instincts. Um, it's just it's a matter with him of the value. You know, his second round, like where he should sit, or it's like a third or fourth round where he should sit, and then you get good starter production out of him. Um, so I think it's really relative to where he's picked, but I think he's going to be a solid pro. Uh, uh, Josh, what do you think about Joyner? Yeah, we were talking about this too the other day. I think that guy's uh, like a little tank. He's pretty good, you know. Uh, he'll probably be a good, uh, good safety, or you know, uh, I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm there with you with the honey badger thing. That's all I can say to that. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Do you like Joiner? I think he's good. I think what happens a lot of times is in the, with the pro scouting, it's a lot of like tangibles, like the height, weight, forty. But you know what? Just give me a playmaker. Just give me somebody that's going to do something. You know, I don't need the tallest guy or the fastest. If he knows his way around the football field, you know what? They run 10-yard sprints. They don't necessarily run 40-yard sprints. Secondary is hey, more important. I, just, I grant you that. But You just argued for Manziel right there. Thanks. No, not really. I don't <laughs> think just, his play – there's a difference. I don't think his play translates to the NFL. Yeah, I just I, For right. me personally, I just don't think it does. You, you may be 100% correct. I, I just, again, I, if, if one of those other quarterbacks was, like, head and shoulders above the rest, I'd, I'd totally be there. But Well, well but, yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that. That's like when I started, I don't, all of these quarterbacks, they, none of them, I completely agree with you. They're all, they all have their flaws. Yeah, I don't see a luck. Uh, getting back to the, the Jordan thing, and this does reference the conversation you and I had, Josh. Um, if a guy like Jim Leonard... How big was he, the the former uh, Jet safety? I think he's on the Buffalo Bills now. Uh, if a guy like that can be, you know, successful 
heavy safety in the NFL. Um, I, I don't see why Joyner wouldn't, but I, I seem to be infatuated with Joyner. I don't mean to keep cutting into the far more interesting quarterback conversation. But, yeah, uh, dude, you want, you want me to get you like a glossy eight picture of him or something? Uh, uh. <laughs> no, no, please don't do that. Because actually, right. actually, it'll do the exact opposite of what you're referencing. It'll just make me vomit because I'll think of all the plays he made against Miami in his four years at FSU. But yeah, guys, uh, Randy didn't want him because he was too short, right? Wasn't that the knack? Randy didn't want him because he was too short? Oh, really? uh, boy. Yeah. That would be a question yeah. for Cam. I, I didn't follow Joyner's recruiting that close. Cam, is that accurate? That's 100%, that's 100% true. Uh, even though I was bigger defensive back and thought he was too short. Uh, and while you guys were talking, I looked it up. Jim Leonard laid, weighed in at 5'8", 188 pounds. Lamarcus Joyner weighed in at 5'8", 194 pounds. So, uh, and Tanner. Radio.com is telling me we're running out of time here. Um, before, uh, yeah, before we close out the show, I just want to remind everybody, quick production note, uh, be sure to check out the Amigo show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can call in. Amigo actually takes live callers, 347-857-3419. Again, that's 347-857-3419. Um, We'll be doing the show every Sunday. You can check out our archived episodes at blogtalkradio.com backslash state of the U. Um, I want to thank again Matt Porter from the Paul Beach Post for coming on here and on our first segment and doing a great job with us. Uh, Cam, thank you as always. Mike, thank you as always. Uh, Josh, thank you as well. I look forward to having you on future episodes. We'll definitely get into some more cane hoops in the future. And uh, thank everybody who listens. Any last thoughts, guys? All right, great show. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man, this was a good time. See you guys next week. All yeah, right. Thank you, guys. And we'll see everybody on the next episode. Yep. Go Kane. <laughs> Yo. Later. <laughs>